0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name is John, and this is r slash tales from tech support. So, in case you couldn't tell, we're camping. Sorta. Of. Glamping. But we are in a vintage camper, so that should count for something, right? Maybe. Anyway, had a hard time the first couple days with getting stuff set up and, uh, <laughs> had some computer issues, and I think we've got it all fixed now. Uh, how ironic. Trying to do tech support stories while having tech support issues. My own tech support. Anyway, we're here. Somebody mentioned in the comments that I should fix my bitrate. Uh, I record in Audacity, and you can only go so far in bitrate, so I'm not sure. I may need to choose different software or something eventually, but uh, for the most part, it's been pretty decent. I did make some tweaks here. Let me know how it sounds to you. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge audiophile. I do like to have quality audio. thought I was doing pretty good, but I guess it could always be better. All right, let's try to do some stories. The stars misaligned. I've been moving everyone over to Windows 11 without much trouble at all. However, one department uses a more niche software. It's still a current product and we are paying customers. They said it was compatible with Windows 11, but I don't think they really tried it out much. I spent way too much time troubleshooting a test install. Lots of weird problems including one that was solved by turning off Smart Clipboard for EG. Finally, I was ready to get this done officially so we went over everything one last time. Good to go. The next day one of the users came over and asked me to look at something. One of the reports had dropped a very important set of data, but the data was present in the entry table. I was worried that something got corrupted or a new incompatibility cropped up. The machine had just done a big Microsoft auto update too. I spent another day going over stuff worried that we might have to restore from a pre-migration backup, undoing the recent work in the department. But they didn't want to do that, and more time passed. After a week more they said the error was something they'd just ignore. Then we received an email from the software vendor, notifying us to an update to their software. Nothing remarkable in the change list. I asked the user if they'd seen an update. Yes. They clicked yes on some stuff, and then they noticed the problem. Turns out the vendor introduced a bug in the report module. Nothing harmful to the data, and also nothing to do with our migration to Windows 11. Another update from the vendor fixed it. I know there's a lesson here, but it just makes me tired to think about the whole waste of time. I find myself going over things like this quite often. Ooh, squirrel. I'll be using a piece of software, OBS, for example, OBS studio that I'm using right now. Uh, they pushed an update out about a week ago and evidently on my PC at home, everything went well, works fine. No problems. Like nothing was even really noticeable. Somehow on this laptop that I'm using while we're camping, the update totally just sent everything into a hissy fit. Preview windows were changed around settings, scenes, sources, you name it. And, uh, I just sat here for an hour messing around with this software to try to get it to do what it should do and what I've been asking it to do, what I always ask it to do. It should have already been set up. I never changed the defaults, so who knows. Ultimately, they didn't break anything, but for some reason when they did the update, it changed all my settings and there's just no reason for it. Not in my world, anyway, and it didn't change anything on my desktop, so why? Why? Why, OBS? It's the network. No, it's the printer. Back in April, I received a ticket for an office that's technically an extended site of ours. But it's just a mile down the road from us, and it's not inconvenient to go to. Someone reported that students couldn't print from the office computer with a Xerox. The department chair, or whoever occupies that space, also requested if we could assess and possibly replace the dinosaur of a computer in there. I go down there one day to assess things and find a Windows 7 computer. I'm not surprised, despite its location, this space is often ignored until it's way past due for an update. I still recall when this had an XP machine that was missed during our Windows 7 project. I also try and scan my badge at the Xerox and get an error. I do the usual troubleshooting and find that internet works on the PC port, but not the port next to it. The Xerox still can't connect, so I have the customer submit a Xerox ticket. While I'm preparing a newer PC with Windows 10, I submit a separate ticket to networking to get the port working and explain my findings. Eventually I get a call from the customer, Xerox says it's a networking problem because of course they do. So I ask networking to look into it more and make sure the port is configured for printing. I'm down there with them after replacing the PC and I show them how only one port works and the Xerox doesn't work on a good port. At this point they call their vendor out that installs ports to look at it. This process takes a while as I ask for updates weekly and it feels like every time I ask the vendor has rescheduled them. We then wait until after finals week to not disturb any classes which means there's no rush to get this fixed. We go back there and test it. No change despite it supposedly being fixed. Network tech wants to look at the switch and verify everything's good, but doesn't know where the network closet for the building is. We check every room in the building, then he calls his boss who comes down to show us both. Turns out it's in another part of the building, which requires going out and in through a different door. They both try and trace what cable it is running from the closet to that room, but they can't find it. Boss tells him to call the vendor back out here to locate it. The vendor comes back out a second time and instead of running a replacement cable just installs a new port. I test the new port and the PC still doesn't get internet. I tape over the broken port so that nobody in the future tries to use it and let network tech know. A few hours later he's configured the port and the PC gets internet now but the printer still doesn't. It's configured for a printer so he's not sure why it doesn't work. He reaches out to our internal Xerox rep to see if he has any ideas. Eventually the Xerox gets a firmware update pushed to it and it can register badge readers now let the customer know that the months long printer saga is finally resolved just in time for school to come back i've worked in a lot of buildings in my days no i really sound old anyway uh worked on a lot of buildings where we were rehabbing buildings not necessarily building from scratch or demolishing and starting over or even totally gutting the building sometimes we're just doing basic remodels and it's amazing to see all the add-ons from over the years whether it's different rooms Different plumbing, different air handlers, air conditioning, heating, um, different uh, different networking for sure, phone lines. you got different punch panels in different locations of the building from where they brought lines in in different places for phone, internet, whatever. And then somehow they make them all meet in the middle and work somewhat. But then when you ask the company that came out there and did the work both times, mind you, the original and the add-ons, you ask them to come out there and fix stuff and they had no idea what's going on. Nobody mapped anything, nobody marked anything they didn't label cables right. And so you can't even really trace cables well. You can, you know, after a while they came up with the electronic signal senders and stuff where you could clip it onto a wire and kind of send a signal through it. Somebody on the other end could say, okay, that's this cable, that's that cable. And then you can start labeling them. But still, that should have been done from the beginning so you don't have to sit there and waste all your time figuring out what somebody should have mapped out when they did the job the first time. It's just, it's ridiculous. And then there was a firmware update, which I'm quite sure somebody should have thought of that from xerox just like my obs issue you know don't send it screw things up send it screw things up what are you gonna do hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, priceline. And then from one of you guys, we have this story called Too Much Power, well, that's what I called it. And this one's from Bob. Thanks, Bob. I've been a computer support tech for the past 20 plus years. I was working in a sales and support office housing 50 people in Minneapolis. Most of our people had laptops for traveling and docking stations when they were in the office. Some of the people had offices around the perimeter of the fairly modern building. Winters in Minnesota can be brutal in January. Several people in those perimeter offices had space heaters to combat the cold. A user calls me and says he lost his internet and network folders. Being a small office, I decided to walk over to see what was going on. Walking into his office, I noticed a larger than normal space heater. He had multiple outlets where he could have plugged it in. So, where did he decide to plug it in? Yup, he used the power strip that supplied power to his docking station. To help the readers who may not understand the problem with this decision, the Ethernet cable plugs into the docking station. The heater was drawing so much current that it popped the breaker on the power strip. The laptop continues to run because the battery takes over, but the network relies on the power from the docking station, and now it's dead. Another shorter one about a non-computer user. I have a friend who needs a lot of help computer-wise, and I'm the so-called expert. I suggested he order something for his computer that I am now sitting in front of. He asked me to go ahead and fill in the order form. him. As I'm keying in all his information, he asked me why I haven't hit the caps lock key. I told him I didn't want the caps lock on. He then asked me, well, how are you getting the capital letters in there? (laughs) I simply told him by using the shift key. He apparently had no idea how to get a capital letter without using the caps lock, even though he's over 70. He must not have ever used a typewriter either. Hmm. Well, I will admit to this. When I was a kid slash teenager, you know, like I used to goof around on my mom's old mechanical typewriter. She also had a portable electric typewriter that I would play on once in a while when I got a little bit older. Um, And I got to admit that I never knew about the shift key. Uh, I always used the caps lock too. Caps lock, letter. Of course, you know, I was typing like this. So, you know, it's not like I was going fast enough that it was going to goof too much stuff up, but I really don't think I even learned about the shift key until I got my first computer in 97. So I was 27 or no, 96. So I was 26 years old. Uh, Yeah. It is what it is, but I didn't take any classes on it either. I did take a typing class in high school, but I, I slept through most of that, so not the teacher's fault. Don't touch that. From listener Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. I was working late night shifts doing tech support. We had this one company who would constantly have trouble with one of their server racks. Twice a week, I would get an alert through SolarWinds that the UPS, backup power, had reached a critically low charge. I hated to do it, but the process stated I had to reach out to the supervisor on duty and wake him up. When he groggily answered, I told him that the same server's UPS was squawking again. He grunted, I assume rolling out of bed, and he logged on. Yeah, I see it, he said. Let me call down there and have them check. I wait a few minutes for him to call back. Everything's plugged in. Everything seems to be working. Okay, I reply. I'll silence the alarm. This goes on twice a week for about a month or so. I get an alarm, I call him, he calls them, everything's fine, silence the alarm. One night I had way too much caffeine, and when the inevitable alarm went off, I decided to stop going through the process and check out a few things myself. I noticed that the alarms usually happen within the same two-hour time frame every time they happened. I looked at the issue itself, always the same thing. As you may know, UPSs are really expensive, and these were good customers. So I make the phone call, groggy answers, I feel bad. I told him what I found and asked him if I could ask a few questions to see if I could help resolve this. At the time, I was the lowest level tech they had. I was more capable, but it was my first tech job out of college, so I was dumb enough to accept the low pay and crappy hours. Technically, I was supposed to turn it over to the technicians, but after a month, they hadn't resolved it. So I thought, huh, I'm bored. Might as well offer. So I did. Hey, Groggy, I was looking at this alarm. Notice it occurs during the same two-hour period roughly each time it happens. Whenever everything's checked, there's nothing wrong. Is there something happening during that time frame that might be causing it? Maintenance on the server is causing them to all spool higher or something. Maybe there's something happening in that area. Someone trips over a cord and doesn't put it back right away. We talked for a few more minutes and he says he's going to check a few things and get back to me. I didn't hear from him until the next night. Shortly after the beginning of my shift, Groggy calls me. He says, You won't effing believe this. Okay, now I'm really curious, I said. When the cleaning lady comes in to vacuum the carpets twice a week, she was plugging the vacuum into the UPS. Even though the UPS is still plugged in, the vacuum was draining the power faster than it could charge. (laughs) Oh, shit. So, yes. There are some things. Okay. Example. This isn't UPS, but in a camper, regular pull-behind, bumper-pull, travel-trailer-camper, you have a house system, which is your 30-amp cord plugged into the pole. Then you have your battery system, your 12-volt system, which runs off your battery. In between, you have a power converter. They used to be called inverters. Now they're called converters. So I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. But anyway, it does basically what I needed to do. It basically provides power to the 12-volt system while simultaneously charging the battery. Uh, Maybe like in a car, maybe it's charging the battery and everything's still running off of the battery lead. Technically, even if the battery's dead, as long as your converter's good, it's going to run everything on your 12-volt system as long as you don't overtax it. And uh, where was that going with this? I don't know how that connects to the vacuum thing. Oh, so basically, when the converter went bad the other night, um, it, we were using more 12-volt stuff than the converter could charge. Of course, this was because it was a bad converter. But if I plugged something else into the 12-volt system, it was sucking down power faster than even the external charger that we put on the battery could handle. So uh, I guess the ba- the vacuum draws more amperage maybe I don't know wattage or amperage I always forget those two things but uh yeah I mean it's only supposed to run your computer for a short amount of time a vacuum motor especially if it's a commercial vacuum cleaner is going to suck that power out real fast and that's what we were doing this morning before I started this we went out to uh thank god we're in the mountains and uh we went out, and there was a camping world nearby, and we picked up a uh, power converter and got it changed out in about 15 minutes, and everything works fine in her camper now. Me, I'm still working off the 30-some-year-old converter that's in this camper that's never been replaced yet, and uh, of course, I changed most of our light fixtures over to LED, so they draw, I don't know, one-tenth the power that all the lights used to, so that helps some, maybe, I don't know, another long-winded rant, <laughs> VP wanted to flex his finances on me. I work for an MSP, and one of our clients' VP asked for help with an internet browser issue. According to him, the page won't load everything correctly. So I remote into his PC, and he's doing his taxes. He says, it isn't loading all my purchases. This man was making well over six figures, and I saw he wasn't on the right screen. I asked him to click on the statement screen. He does, and goes, oh, there's all my new stuff. There was a lot. A car, shore house, thousands spent on... Armani and Gucci attire, etc. Don't judge me. I don't wear Armani, so I shouldn't have to know how to say it. He then starts to tell me how awesome buying all this stuff was. Meanwhile, my less than 50k a year ass just interrupted and gave him the, is there anything else I can help you with? In my nicest customer service voice I could muster, he chuckles and says, nah, should be good now. Got lots of these to catch up on. To be fair, he could just be that effing out of touch, but I couldn't help but feel he knew there was no issue and just wanted to flex his finances on someone making way less than him. Lol. I don't know. Some of those guys can be real D-bags and they do want to flex a lot, but I doubt he called you just to flex his finances. He was probably just flustered and couldn't figure out how things got goofed up on his screen. Now, once he was there and you got him fixed and everything, he probably didn't think twice about flexing, but that's a whole other story. I don't think that's what started the whole thing. Still kind of douchey though that's not a network setting my wife and i are visiting my parents while my brother and his kids are in town and last night we decided to play jackbox on my dad's nintendo switch the hell is that i go to get the game set up and the switch can't connect to the wi-fi no problem i go in and re-enter the network information and uh, nothing i only get a vague unable to connect to network with an error code that when google gives me the spectacularly unhelpful advice of reset router reset modem move switch closer to router, reboot the switch, re-enter the network information, basically all the things that a tech competent person tries. We were able to get it to connect to the phone hotspots while my niece's switch can connect to the Wi-Fi no problem, and no other device is having any issues, but no matter what I try I can't get my dad's switch to connect to it. The next day I contact Nintendo tech support via chat and beat my head against the wall for close to an hour while he runs me through all the reset router, reset modem, reboot switch steps that I've already done a dozen times. Eventually he tells me to take it to someone else's house and try to get it to connect to their Wi-Fi and if that doesn't work they'll take the console back for repairs. We don't have anyone immediately nearby to go test it so I give up on Nintendo tech support for the time being. My dad insists he hasn't made any changes to the network settings or hardware but I decide to go into the router configuration and poke around. I try changing the network settings and even set up a guest network and while any other device connects easily the switch absolutely refuses to connect no matter what I do. I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking we may have to do a factory reset on the switch or router or both, but decide to comb through the office device list and just see if I can find the switch in the router's history. After going through about 20 devices, I find an offline, unknown device that matches the switch's MAC address. To my astonishment, right below that I see a big green button labeled unblocked device. Dad, why did you block this device from your router? Oh, like a week ago I went through and blocked anything that said unknown device. What? You said you didn't make any changes. That's not a network setting. He had to sit out the first round of Jackbox's punishment. <laughs> uh, you're grounded. Stop touching the network stuff. I'm waiting for my kids to start doing that to me. I'll do some dumb shit. I'll say, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's funny. I'll be regressing into the childlike stage as my kids take over my adult children, mind you, take over taking care of me now as the roles reverse. And uh yeah good times okay guys i appreciate you spending a little bit of your day with me today i hope you enjoyed the stories and like you saw a couple of you listeners have given me stories that i can read on the channel here and uh they turned out really well and if you want to share your story all you got to do is shoot me an email at who's your uncle L C at gmail.com yeah we'll get your stories up here on the channel i really appreciate it all right till the next one we'll see you